Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Hello there, this is your host D, and welcome to episode 3 of the Benzo Free Podcast. I'm really glad you're with me today. In fact, I'm, I'm quite impressed that you stuck it out. You may have hopefully have listened to episode 1 and 2 and you decided to stick around for 3, and I am very grateful for that. Um, I'm figuring things out still as we go along, so I know I'm having problems here and there, and I'll try to work them out. So thanks for bearing with me, and I promise with each episode we'll try and get a little better. It's been a little bit lonely around here. My wife's been out of town for the last week, um, past the holidays, so I've been kind of running Bachelor here on my own, and it's a struggle sometimes. Still have some anxiety issues around that from my withdrawal, but, you know, it's also good practice, and it's good to learn how to be without my wife for a week, um, who was my caretaker during all of my withdrawal period, so it's a little stressful sometimes, but it's been good, and I'm glad it happened, and I can't wait to see her back again, which will be soon. We're going to go ahead and return to our normal format today, which will start off with some Q&A and then move on to our feature and close out with our moment of peace. So that's going to be our basic format, the intro, Q&A, feature, and moment of peace as we're doing now. And right now you're in the intro. That makes sense. Today's feature is managing fear. Um, For those who are unfortunate and experience a difficult withdrawal, this one's for you. Please keep in mind that this podcast is only as good as the feedback I receive. And I know I'm pre-recording these several first episodes, so I don't have any feedback yet, but I'm going to keep reminding you. So hopefully when you hear them, I will start getting some feedback. So please, you know, let me know what you think, any suggestions, additions, changes, complete rewrites, or just telling me that this is crap. You know, whatever you want to tell me is fine. (laughs) I just want the feedback. I want to know that somebody out there is listening. So I really look forward to hearing back from you. If you do want to provide some feedback, just go to our website at benzofree.org slash feedback or email us directly at podcast at benzofree.org. And I look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget that this podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. There'll be a little more complete disclaimer at the end of today's episode. So I think that's enough for the intro. Let's move on. So let's dive into our Q&A. These, of course, are questions that I have picked up along the way, either from people on the boards or people I've chatted with online. Some even ones I've come up with thinking that they might be useful for people to know. Don't forget that eventually, once I start getting feedback from this podcast, it'll be your questions that will be in this section. But since I'm pre-recording these, I don't have any feedback yet, so we'll get to that stage. Q1. So question number one is, should I withdraw? This is something I wanted to cover um, in one of my initial podcast episodes because it's something I need to make clear up front. I cannot advise you on whether you should withdraw or not, nor would I ever assume to. This is just not something I can do. I am not a medical professional, as I mentioned, and I can't advise you on anything like that. 
Always, always remember that this podcast is not medical advice, and it's something to keep in mind. Deciding whether to withdraw from benzos or not is, is a very complicated question, and it, it needs to be taken seriously. This is not something that anybody should take lightly. It's something you should research, talk through with your doctor, figure out what is best for you and when it is best for you if that's what you decide to do. Question number two is, if I choose to withdraw, which, you know, feeds off the previous question, as we can tell a theme going here, <laughs> how should I go about it? I know, you're going to hate me for this one again, but I can't tell you the answer to that either, <laughs> for the same reasons as question number one. This is another decision that needs to be made with your doctor, but that being said, there are some basic um, points or some basic information that I can share with you, which is pretty universal. Uh, let's talk about five quick things. Number one, taper slowly under doctor's supervision. If you choose to withdraw, do so slowly in the partnership with your doctor. Stopping benzos cold turkey, especially without medical supervision, can be very dangerous. It can even be life-threatening. So please work with your doctor and please find somebody who can work with you to take a slow taper. I can't tell you how to taper, but please don't be in a hurry. Second one, read the Ashton Manual. That's clear. I mentioned that in a previous episode, and I will mention it in many more episodes. It is the best guide available to you for benzo withdrawal. If you don't know what it is, you can learn more about it on our website. So please go to benzofree.org slash Ashton, A-S-H-T-O-N. And there you can read about Professor Ashton, about her work, about the manual. And there's a big blue button that takes you right to the Ashton manual, which is available for free online to anybody that wants to read it. So please investigate that. Read the Ashton manual. It's so much information you need to know before you undertake withdrawal. Uh, let's go to step three. Everyone is different. Now, this may not be a rule so much as just um, a reminder, an essential reminder. If you're anything like me, you have read hundreds of posts from people who have and are experiencing benzo withdrawal. And as you do, keep telling yourself that everyone's experience is different. You do need to keep in mind that this is not what everybody's going to go through, and this is an extreme case. So please, as you read these, keep that in mind. Number four, use common sense. Everybody has opinions, especially on the benzo boards, and some of them can be quite strong. Whether you're talking about melatonin or alcohol or use meditation or should I use this, there's, there's so many questions and there's so many opinions. And like I said, some people can feel very strong about their opinion. Use common sense. Work with your doctor. Determine what is right for you. So figure out for yourself what is best. Use your brain. And five, treat suicidal thoughts or violent ideology seriously, okay? Please, if you're having any thoughts of suicide, of violence towards others, or if you know somebody who is, please seek professional help, okay? I am not educated or, nor trained to deal with suicide or violent tendencies, so don't come here for answers. Please seek professional help. On the website under benzofree.org slash resources, you'll see a list of suicide prevention hotlines. Please reach out to those if you're feeling that way or if you know somebody who is, okay? Please get help. People do sometimes become suicidal during benzo withdrawal, and this needs to be treated seriously, okay? And that's it. I think one last thing, just remember that even in the darkest, deepest parts of benzo withdrawal, Remember that life does get better. It gets better. It's so hard to see that. God, I go through this with so many people as I'm chatting with them online. 
And I know, because I was there too. It seems hopeless. It seems desperate. But it's not. It does get better. It can take a long time sometimes, but it does get better. you got to hang in there. you got to keep true to course. You're going to get there. And I believe it's time for us to move on to our feature. And our feature today is managing the fear. I took this right out of a chapter of the book that I wrote, and I do use my book occasionally to create structure for the podcast and to provide information. I spent many years working on the book, so there's a lot of information in it. And um, periodically, in fact, more than occasionally, I'll pull information like that to use in the podcast, and I'll use it as a structure. If you find it a little bit redundant, I apologize for that. But I guarantee you there's far more information in the book than I'm covering here. So please check it out if you want to. So today, managing the fear is our topic. And like I said, that's a chapter from the book. And um, I started to record this as one episode. Then I realized it was just too large. I, My first couple episodes of this podcast I felt have gone too long. I originally planned on making these about 25 minutes each. And for those of you who heard the first two episodes, you realize they weren't 25 minutes each. So I am going to work at trying to get closer to that number. And today I'm going to attempt to do that. So I decided to break this Um, this topic of managing the fear of withdrawal into three parts. In the book, I looked at five key areas of focus for managing the fear of withdrawal. And I'm going to take those different um, areas and break them across the three episodes. So the way it's going to work is part one, um, which is today, episode three, we will cover an introduction to this topic and cover the first key of focus, which is responsibility. In part two, which is episode four, We will cover positivity and activity. And then in part three, which is episode five, we'll talk about kindness and acceptance. I think that'll work better for our purposes of the podcast. So uh, before waiting too long, let's get kicked off here. Today is part one, which is the introduction and responsibility. Don't forget that um, according to the numbers that I've kind of compiled, these are averages, of course, from different research, about 45% of long-term users will have a difficult withdrawal, which means less than half of you will have a difficult withdrawal, and only 10 to 15% will have protracted withdrawal lasting 18 months or longer beyond your last dose. So remember, that's really good news, that if you haven't started withdrawal yet, odds are you are not going to have a very hard time. But we don't know who will, and thus it is important to prepare and to know what you're getting into in case you are one of the people who is going to have more problems. So one of the questions that I ask in the book is, what is the number one enemy to a successful withdrawal? And my answer is this, fear. I truly believe that fear and stress and anxiety related to that fear causes more distress and more complications during withdrawal than anything else. I'm talking fear that we're drug dependent, fear that we're addicted, that this symptom or that one is going to be the end of us, or this symptom is a sign of a heart attack, or this one is cancer, or MS, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, or that this symptom is going to be permanent, or that we won't be able to find work, or find another job, or can't continue to work, or that a relationship won't survive the stress, that we'll lose our homes, that we'll even be locked up in a mental institution. And at the end of it all, fear that we won't be able to cope with life without those damn pills that created the whole problem in the first place. And this fear is not some natural psychological fear. It's chemically enhanced. On top of all our original anxieties we had before our dependence on benzos, we now have a damaged nervous system. It's a system that can send us into a panic state, both psychologically and physiologically, at the least sign of distress. 
and I'm not the only one that feels this way. Professor Ashton said the following, quote, Many withdrawal symptoms are simply due to fear of withdrawal or even a fear of that fear. People who have had bad experiences have usually been withdrawn too quickly, often by doctors, and without any explanation of the symptoms, end quote. But how do we deal with the fear that those of us with anxiety have been battling for years? And the truth is there's no overnight fix. As much as we all want one, it just doesn't exist. That's where these pills came from in the first place, trying to fix this with some quick answer. But it doesn't exist. It takes work. But there are a lot of things we can do to help make our mindset more stable to get through this. Like many of us, you may have physical symptoms during your withdrawal, but rarely can you do anything to affect them, or at least to directly affect them. They will come and they will go. Sure, you might be able to change your diet a little bit or, you know, do a couple little things here and there, but overall, there's not a lot you can do to directly affect the physical symptoms. And often those physical symptoms are triggered or aggravated by your mental state. Fear, stress, anxiety, they all play a significant role in determining the severity of your withdrawal. Therefore, it just makes sense for us to spend more time and effort on managing our fear and anxiety and less on trying to figure out how to physically mitigate each individual symptom. I feared that I wouldn't have the strength to taper and become benzo-free. I have to admit it. I was afraid that I would be on the drugs the rest of my life. I, I was worried that I would have attacks and that I would even lose my home, my wife, heck, even my life at times. I feared that I would not have the strength to taper and become benzo-free. I am now four years off benzos, and yes, I still have symptoms, but guess what? I did it. I am benzo-free, and many of my fears never even came true. Less worry about my symptoms and about what's going on equals less anxiety, which equals less symptoms, which equals less worry, less anxiety. It's a cycle. Professor Ashton said, quote, Many of these symptoms are actually due to anxiety and not signs of brain or nervous system damage. People who fear withdrawal have more intense symptoms than those who just take it as it comes and think positively and confidently about recovery, end quote. Our mental state makes a huge difference on how we get through withdrawal. And that's why I took this um, task of managing the fear and broke it down into three different parts for this podcast, because I believe it's that important. For me, it was. And again, I'm just talking about me and this is all opinion. But if you're wanting to know how I got through it, I'm talking about it now. This managing the fear section is all about creating a positive mindset. Um, that's a term I like to use for this. And basically, this positive mindset means that I recognize that fear and obsessing about that fear makes my symptoms worse and it makes my withdrawal harder. And I'm going to do what I can to help prepare for that, to help manage that, to help mitigate that and reduce it. That's all it means. Fear is actually a useful emotion in certain circumstances, especially when triggered by outside influences. The problem comes when we focus too much on it, when we ruminate, when we can't let go of that fear and we think about it over and over and over again. Learning how to accept the fear but reduce the rumination is the real goal here. And I found five key areas where I approved on my ability to manage my anxiety. And that's what we're going to talk about in this section. The five key areas are responsibility, positivity, activity, kindness, and acceptance. The first of those five key areas is responsibility. Many of you are probably thinking, responsibility for what? What's my responsibility here? 
and that is taking responsibility for your own health and recovery. It's that simple. Professor Ashton said, quote, Usually the best judge is you, yourself. You must be in control and must proceed at the pace that is comfortable for you, end quote. I couldn't agree more. You need to be in charge of your own health and recovery. For many of us who have developed um, this dependence, our condition is an iatrogenic illness. That's a term that basically means it was caused by a medical procedure or treatment. Now, some of us may have taken the drugs recreationally or on the street, and that's fine too. I'm not creating a division here. I'm just saying for a lot of us, we were prescribed these drugs as a medical treatment, and thus it is an iatrogenic illness. That was true in my case. My doctor prescribed the benzos for ongoing stomach distress, and I took the drug for the following 12 and a half years. Was I mad about that? Yeah, of course. Damn, man. I was, I was furious. I was, I was hopeless. I was pissed. I wanted vengeance. I hated my doctor. I wanted to get these damn things out of me. I was, I was, I was in a pretty panicked state. But, you know, eventually I started looking at myself and at my role in this whole thing. Yes. I had a role. In all that time, I never really thought about the drug I was taking. I mean, I could have looked it up. I could have pulled it up on the internet or even asked one of my docs about any possible complications, but I didn't. I just trusted that my doctors knew best. Why didn't I ask? Why didn't I look it up? Regardless of how small my part is in this whole fiasco, though, I played a role. I did. Even if it was just 1% my responsibility, I had a part in this. Learning that and noticing that taught me a very precious lesson. I am responsible for my health. Period. No one else. It's my brain, it's my body, and I'm in charge, damn it. I now approach my relationship with medical professionals as that of a partnership. Sure, my doctor knows a lot more about medicine than I ever will, but she doesn't know everything. And neither does the internet. While the internet can be an excellent resource for some medical information, it's full of inaccuracies, hype, biased personal accounts. Common sense is critical. Taking responsibility is critical. I now have a say in what happens to me. If I don't like a prescription, I may get a second opinion, or or a third. I may even suggest an alternative. I decide what is done to my body and nobody else. I'll never take another prescribed medication without doing my own thorough research. I'll never go through another medical procedure without fully understanding all the risks and weighing the pros and cons. That's my job. I had an amazing team that helped me get through it, and without them, I don't know that I would have made it. Taking responsibility means that you take the lead in your recovery. You're in charge. And you know, that's a good thing. So in the end, I found that taking charge of my recovery was key. It is one of the best things I did to help me recover. So hang in there. Take responsibility for your own recovery and you'll get through this. And that right there closes out our feature for today. Don't forget, our next couple episodes will continue this topic. So please tune in to episode four and five to hear the rest of the Managing the Fear feature. Now, before we get into our closing, don't forget, we need to insert our short disclaimer here. It's only about 25 seconds, so please bear with me. As soon as it's done, we'll move on to our closing. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. 
The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical, health, or psychological advice, nor any other kind of personal or professional services. Withdrawal, tapering, or any change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, theanodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org slash disclaimer. And that brings us to our closing, our moment of peace. Each week we close our episode with what I like to call a moment of peace. It's basically just one minute to quiet your mind so that we leave you in a in a more quiet, more relaxing, more restful state than maybe when you came in. That's the goal. Nothing elaborate, nothing formal. Basically what will happen is I'll give you a brief introduction, perhaps something, a suggestion to focus on during your meditation, and then I'll play a soft bell. That'll be the beginning of the one minute. At the end of the minute, play another soft bell, then probably say a few words, and close out the episode. If you'd like to continue your meditation after this point, I totally welcome that. I think that's a great idea. Or if you'd rather get on with your day at that point, that's fine too. Please remember that if you, of course, are driving or operating heavy machinery or doing anything that would be dangerous to close your eyes and or meditate, please do not do so. Only do this if you are in a safe place. And so for today, please try to find yourself a comfortable place to sit. I'm not going to really work on posture at this point. I'm just saying find some place comfortable to sit or even lay down. So for today, we're going to focus on a counting meditation. And the way this is going to work is I'm going to have you go ahead and close your eyes again, if you're in a safe place to do so. And take a deep breath in, filling your lungs with air. Pause for a second, and let it out slowly. Let's do that again. Breathe in deeply, filling your belly and lungs with air. Pause for a second, and let it out. And as you let it out, let all the stress of your day just pour out with the out-breath. Let's do that one more time. Breathe in and fill your lungs, your belly, fill your whole diaphragm with air. Pause for a second and let it all out. Just let the stress of the day pour out of you. And that's better. Now let's return to breathing normally. Just slowly in and slowly out. Slowly in. And slowly out. Don't try to control your breath. Just let it happen. Now, as you breathe in and breathe out, let's count. We're going to count to ten. So as you're breathing in, count one. And as you breathe out, count two. In for three. And out for four. Continue to count all the way up to ten. In for five. And out six. When you hit ten, start at one again. Just count your breaths. And as you're doing this, focus on the counting. If another thought comes into your head, just notice it. Don't judge it. 
and let it go like it's a cloud in the sky, and return to counting your breath. That's it. It's that simple. And if your mind wanders, no worries. Just gently bring it back to counting. Start at one again, and start counting up to ten. Doesn't matter how far you get. That's not the goal here. We're just giving you something to focus on. And that's it. We'll do this for one minute, and I'll let you know when we're done. And that ends our moment of peace and this week's episode of the podcast. Don't forget to be kind to yourself, to those you love, and to everyone. Thanks for joining me today and have a great day. So long.